This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. Really rewarded by the school for anything I've given them from money to publicity to whatever I can do to help them. That is the voice of Dan Jenkins, who graduated from TCU in 1953 with a degree in journalism. Jenkins became nationally known during his 25-year career with Sports Illustrated and later for his work as a feature writer with Golf Digest. He has received many honors over the years, including having the TCU football press box named after him in 2017. Jenkins grew up in Fort Worth, going to nearby Pascal High School. When he was choosing colleges, he had two main interests, golf and journalism. I was going to go to the University of Texas like everybody else at Pascal High, my friends. But I got a job at the Fort Worth Press out of high school. Blackie Sherrod hired me. So I went to TCU. I like TCU anyhow. It was going to be one of the two, and uh, I made the right choice. Jenkins chose TCU, and in addition to working for the Fort Worth Press, he was also a member of the TCU golf team, serving as team captain for three seasons. I was a good college player. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as good as some, but uh, okay, on a local level. And how was it balancing academics and athletics back then? Well, I would go to work at 5.30 in the morning. And work till my first class to teach you be nine, mm-hmm. as I recall. And uh, sometimes I would go back to the paper in the afternoon, or I'd go play golf, or I'd <laughs> go cover Ben Hogan, or I'd play a golf match, or whatever, mm-hmm. or I'd go cover something. I was busy all the time. I went to college. I entered the college of the byline <laughs> at the Fort Worth Press. That would normally make a young man arrogant if I hadn't received proper training in the home. Yeah, I had a dual career. I seem to have had a dual career my whole life. I've gone from, I was a student at TCU and a newspaper man at the press for all four and a half years. I was at TCU, it took me four and a half to graduate, I think. And I've been a sports writer all my life and Became a novelist and balanced those two. You know, mm-hmm. All I've done is, all I've ever done is type. I don't think I slept the first 40 years of my life, but uh, anyhow, I was, a, I was a born journalist and studied the craft. It is a craft and uh, I just uh, have spent every day trying to get better at it. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning. Dear. So did you know you wanted to be a journalist from when you were back in high school and always? From the age of eight or nine. <laughs> and, uh, my, I was raised by a grandmother hmm? in the south side of Fort Worth. Not far from TCU or Pasco. My grandmother and my aunt lived with us. Uh, found a typewriter and had it put on the kitchen table and I started playing with it when I was eight or nine years old. I started copying papers out of the stories out of the Star-Telegram and the press. Mm-hmm. And then one day I started to rewrite them. That's when I knew I was going to be a writer. As Dan was studying the craft, he found some of his biggest influences were his teachers on the TCU campus. I'd have to say Black and Sherrod, of course. And, and I was drawn to the humorist. Uh, I loved John Lardner and Newsweek. I loved Rain Lardner, his father. 
I know Dred Smith and Grantland Rice and all the famous sports writers, and I read all their books and uh, tried to learn from them and hope I did. I was very lucky at TCU. I had three absolutely great professors. I had Lorraine Shirley for creative writing and interrelation of the arts. Uh, I had Dr. Paul Dinkins for continental literature. He was a brilliant, brilliant lecturer and got me interested in reading all the Dostoyevsky's and Thomas Mann's and Turgenev's and, uh, you know, all the great Germans and French writers and Russians. Uh, I would, it was a side of me I didn't know I'd be interested in, but I was. And it, it helped broaden me, I hope. Uh, and I had Dr. Spain, Dr. Augusto Spain. And so when you first started your career, you were learning on a typewriter, and now you spread your message through Twitter. How have you seen it change over the years, and how have you adapted to all that? Well, I thought the uh, fax machine was a great invention, and there's nothing compared to this. <laughs> I was one of the last holdouts, but I, uh, I, I worked on a manual long after everybody I knew was on a computer. I finally switched and admitted that I'd been an idiot. Because <laughs> it's uh, the one danger of the computer as a writer, I can tell you, is it's easy to write too long, but it is easy. It's so easy to edit, <laughs> you know, good, bad, or white out or strike overs. And uh, but it's it's been very, very convenient. I mean, I wouldn't I, I couldn't do without it now. Mm-hmm. One of the areas where Jenkins has adapted is social media. He is one of the most popular golf writers with over 65,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, it's fun. I do it for Golf Digest. And uh, I treat the majors, which I still like, the major golf tournaments, the four and the Ryder Cup. I'll be tweeting that. The great thing about Twitter is that you can say a lot of things that you cannot get into a story because it won't fit the theme. Mm-hmm. But it's top of the head impulsive Mm -hmm. attitude that you get to put on paper and you can be funny or not or you can be critical or not but it's uh it's a challenge and uh uh i like it i actually like it i kind of laugh when they asked me to do it i took to it just right away (laughs) and as a journalist how has the access to athletes changed over the years is it harder to get them to open up oh they're richer harder to get close to I had, uh, I was lucky, I came along at the right time. I mean, they were still accessible. They would still hang out with you. They would still, coaches and players would, once you got to know them and make friends, they would they would trust you to know what not to write. They didn't even have to say this is off the record. They knew I knew what was off the record. I never burned a source. Sources is the only thing you know. That's how you learn anything. Mm-hmm. Why would you burn a source? <laughs> You're not going to win a Pulitzer. You're just going to break up a home or something. That wasn't my kind of journalism. Mm-hmm. One of the other TCU icons of journalism is Bob Schieffer. While Jenkins and Schieffer were six years apart in age, the two have formed a close bond over the years. Well, I've known Bob a long time. We were never, we went to different high schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know him as a journalist and uh, a great admirer of him. He's a, he was a dogged reporter. He was a, he's a great guy and he's been great, great for TCU. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, uh, we've all tried to be kind to TCU in, in, the, in our own way. 
and uh, I've been I've been uh, greatly rewarded by the school for anything I've given them from money to publicity to whatever I can do to help them. In the spring of 2017, the TCU administration with the athletic department, the board of trustees, and the chancellor's office agreed to honor Jenkins by naming the TCU football press box after him. They were they were kind enough to, or smart enough, to name the press box after me, which I thought was very flattering. Try not to embarrass them too much. It was a great honor. I was I was thrilled. It was uh, very rewarding, and uh, I'm grateful. Have you gotten to watch any games from that press box since it's been named after you? I go up and visit, uh, but I go back and to my regular seat, or I go sit in one of the founder suites with my friends and invite me, okay. and, uh, which is not a bad seat, by the way. <laughs> I go to all the home games one way or another. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know, you were rather close with uh, two of the golf legends, Ben Hogan and Byron Nelson. How did you get to you know, have such a good relationship with those two? I had a great relationship with them because, among other things, I never wrote anything bad about either one of them, and I covered Ben all through the 50s when he was at his peak, played golf with him. Colonial was our home course on the golf team, so mm-hmm. I was out there all the time. And he was there all the time. This is before there was a Shady Oaks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played a lot of golf. I played with him 30 or 40 rounds with him all through the decade. And uh, he liked me. I, I, could, I, could, I was a scratch golfer then. I didn't, he didn't have to tell me what golf was all about. I didn't have to ask him any stupid questions. He was helpful. He, was a, he became an idol, and he became a friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so lucky to have Ben Hogan as a, as a subject and a friend, it got me out of the box. It did, it did a world of good for my journalism habit. And he's the one that got me covered majors. I, I, when I was a sophomore in TCU, I was covering my first masters because <laughs> of Hogan and my first US Open in 1951. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing it ever since. So do you have a favorite major that you covered? Is there one that sticks out? the Masters, yeah. Is there a certain Masters, a certain year? Oh, well, I had, there have been several, several great ones. Uh, but as a tournament of the four of the Masters is far and away the, my favorite. I think it would be anybody who's mm-hmm. been to all of them mm-hmm. more than once. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just do it better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful golf course. And, uh, I never get tired of seeing it. I've, it was beautiful the first time I was there in 1951. It's just as beautiful now, even though the trees have grown up some. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, it's, it's, uh, I wrote that I've spent a year and six months of my life in Augusta, Georgia, <laughs> covering the Masters. And I've been there on other occasions. I've been invited down by the chairman, Horton Horton, or whoever it happened to be, my boss at Golf Digest or Sports Illustrated and I would go down and stay in one of the cabins and just play golf at some point during the year before they closed the course over the summer. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been there on occasions other than Augusta, but, uh, but most of the time it was for the cover the Masters for the whole week. And you were a rather accomplished golfer yourself. As you said, you were a scratch golfer. Do you ever wonder, you know, what if I had chosen to uh 
be a competitor of Ben's as opposed to writing about Ben? He offered to give me lessons. I'm the only guy that ever turned down lessons from Ben Hogan. <laughs> we were sitting at Colonial one day after we'd played golf together. And uh, he was talking about me to Margaret Leonard, his friend who was sitting with us, who built Colonial. And I heard him say that I was long, and I was long as he was then. And I could put, but everything in between was guesswork. And I said, you don't have to tell me. I, he said, if you'll work with me three days a week for the next four months, you can become a really good amateur and a much better player. And I said, well, Ben, I appreciate that. And I love golf and I love, especially love gambling at it. And, uh, but uh, I said, I'm just, I'm just trying to be a good sports writer. Thank you anyhow. <laughs> he looked at me real cold as only he could. He said, well, keep working at it. So you love writing more than you love playing golf. Well, I used to I used to cover local tournaments that I had played in. Mm-hmm. And I always returned, referred to myself as Dean Jennings or something <laughs> like that. I didn't use my real name. Mm-hmm. I was on the byline. Did you always make yourself look good? Uh, I tried not to. <laughs> I tried not to. You're a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. What does yes, that, what does that the, mean to uh, you? That's my induction pen. Uh, I wore it just for you. It's, uh, it was, uh, I, was the, I was the third writer. There, there's, there's 150 golfers in the World Golf Hall of Fame. There's a trophy right over there. That, wow. that piece of glass. Yeah. And uh, wow. uh, I was the third one. Now there's four. The first one was Bernard Darwin with the Times of London, and that was his byline, golf correspondent. <laughs> and the second one was Herbert Ward Wynn, who preceded me as a golf writer in Sports Illustrated, and then went back to the New Yorker. Then there was me, and uh, the latest one was Henry Longhurst, who wrote for the Sunny Times in London and became better known on television over here. Mm-hmm. So there's only four writers in there. And um, it's, a, it's a proud moment for me, and it was a wonderful evening, and, and uh, I had no idea. I know you were also a big college football fan. Is there a favorite or a couple favorite college football games that stick out in your career? I grew up watching Sam Ball and Davey O'Brien when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Those are still stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. I mean, I became friends with both of them later in life. Davey became a friend. He was a idol when I was a little eight, nine, ten-year-old boy watching him win national championships at TCU. You know, then I was, became the national football writer for uh, Sports Illustrated. I was there 25 years in the mm-hmm. glory days. We had, a, we had a great staff. We had a murderer's row of great writers, Frank DeFord and people like that, myself. Uh, we had uh, I, I covered, you know, the lot of famous pole bowls as they became known. Uh, the 1971 Nebraska Oklahoma game, the the, uh, the 1967 USC UCLA game with O.J. Simpson against Gary Beaven, the 66 Notre Dame Michigan State tie. I wrote my crown of accomplishment. I covered that one. In, Notre Dame ran out the clock at the end. It was a 10 to 10 tie, and I, I wrote the tied one for the Gipper. And I, 
So when this, I came out that week, I have a picture, a wire service picture of uh, the students burning 1,500 copies of my, the magazine of my stories. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd reach a level of greatness. Mm -hmm. You can have your story burned by Notre Dame. <laughs> I still love the game. Mm -hmm. Still love the sport. I'm sorry that it's. I'm sorry it's become uh, as expensive as it has for the fans. I grew up rooting for the the Southwest Conference and TCU, mm -hmm. and I had my favorites at Texas and Notre Dame, and I got to know Bobby Lane and Doug Walker and all kinds of guys that were heroes around the conference. John David Crow became a friend at A&M and uh, I just love, I just love the sport. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that people love the sport mm -hmm. and, and get enthusiastic about it. I mean, it's, What's your relationship like with Coach Patterson? I've always gotten along with Gary. Uh, I, he, he likes to talk about the day I didn't get angry at him, but I criticized him at lunch <laughs> at Colonial. And uh, it had something to do with the short side option. I, <laughs> hey, uh, I didn't, uh, he, uh, he remembers it. He said I was right. <laughs> and, uh, not altogether right, but I was right. And we, we get along and I email him. I was trying to stay out of his hair. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, I never wanted to be a, a, a friend of the coach. I never wanted to be inside the deal. I wanted to be able to stand off a little bit and uh, have what I said be important, if mm -hmm. you will. So I didn't want to get too close. I wanted to. I wanted to be friends, and I wanted to be. You know, we swap stories and mm -hmm. we could be honest with each other but I wanted to be able to criticize if I felt it was necessary mm -hmm. and uh, I, I've tried to maintain that with although I must say I've had I've had great friends among coaches Darrell Royal was as good a friend as I ever had in covering sports at Texas I covered all four of his national championship teams and two others that should have been national champions I practically lived in Austin all through the 60s. And Bear uh, Bryant became a friend. John McKay at USC became a friend. Duffy uh, Darty became a friend. It was great fun knowing those people. And they they all had one thing in common, they had a sense of humor, mm -hmm. which appeared to me. I even got along with Woody Hayes. You know, Woody, Woody was an old grunt, but uh, we had two things in common. General Patton. <laughs> In Dixieland music, there was a joint in Columbus, Ohio called Olin Tangy Inn where Woody used to go to hear Dixieland music and I'd go with him when I'd be out there covering Ohio State playing somebody. Mm -hmm. So I had, John McKay at USC was a great, great friend, but nobody was as good as Darrell and nobody was as interesting or funny. Oh, and Barry Switzer became a friend. He, I covered. You know, Switzer and Royal hated each other, but they were both friends of mine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still consider Barry was a good friend and honest, would would tell you the truth and knew he could trust you. Mm -hmm. And Darrell was, was beyond anything I ever knew as a coach. He was just, he was brilliant and he was funny. He was friendly and he was trustworthy and uh, he just had 
he had a way with uh, he had a way with players that I'd never seen any coach mm -hmm. could could get the best out of them. He just knew how to he knew how to he knew how to tap into their to their to the best of them and get it out of them. And there, there was a lot of comedy along with it. I mean, I'll never forget. One of my favorite stories is, I was uh, in 1969 when they won their, won a national championship. I was down there uh, covering them before the Oklahoma game that year. And Darrell always had a slogan, different slogan. Every coach has a slogan every year. Play like a champion today, that kind of stuff. <laughs> And Daryl's that year had what I what I kept, I lost. What I gave, I kept. Now, even I had to stare at that for a while before I could figure it out. And the players were leaving the tunnel. Uh, the, I was in the dressing room. They were leaving to go out and practice. And James Street, Street, God bless him, one of my favorite players to cover, great quarterback. Never lost a game as a college quarterback. He tapped me on the shoulder when I was looking at that thing. He said, when you figure that out, we get back to me, will you? When I gave, I kept. When I kept, I lost. On Friday, September 21st, Jenkins will be in Austin to present the Dan Jenkins Medal of Excellence. So there's two sports writers every year that will get that, thanks to the University of Texas. Uh, this year it goes to a... Sports writer of the year that I'm not, I have nothing to do with who wins. There's a panel of people that do that. All I do is hang around their neck. <laughs> uh, that's on the night before the TCU Texas game. Uh, at, uh, in the stadium somewhere at the, some club. But there's a lifetime achievement gets one and the sports writer of the year gets one. Uh -huh. It's only the second year. So. Uh, it's, it's a great honor. I've been honored by my two favorite schools, TCU and the University of Texas. <laughs> uh, I know you're supposed to hate Texas, but I never have. <laughs> I hate the university. I like to beat them on the football field, but I have an awful lot of good friends who, who went there. And a lot of good, like I said, I've been through the Darrell Royal thing mm -hmm. and all that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's a proud moment for me. So you recently came out with a new book. What was the uh, inspiration for wanting to write I a new book? Just some more stuff I wanted to get off my mind. I'm always, I, I don't want to lose my brain. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's happened to an awful lot of friends at my age. And, you know, I'm in my 80s now, my upper 80s. And uh, I want to keep working as long as I can. I, I'm finishing up a new novel that would be the last one I write. Hmm. Hopefully it's funny. <laughs> uh, but the, the the last book I had that T.C. Press did was collection of columns. Uh, that, uh, just things I want to get off my mind. And hopefully it's funny. I think mm -hmm. a lot of it's funny. Some of it's just historical. Mm -hmm. And some of it is just opinion. Mm -hmm. But uh, overall, it's I hope it's amusing. Were the columns all brand new, or did you get them from archives? Or? They're all new except about five, which I rewrote from previous that had been previously published, mm -hmm. and I turned them upside down and modernized them. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, I hope they read like new. 
you've been in Fort Worth, obviously, you know, most of your life. How would you say it's changed over the years? And what's been your impressions of, you know, where it was your first day on campus to where it is today? TCU started with the fact that the drugstore was the student union when I was there. And, and take it from there. It's now on both sides of the street. <laughs> well, three sides. They took away my golf course, Worth Hills, to, for the Greeks and, and uh, now baseball and track and tennis. And, and, uh, but that's good. They needed to grow, and it was the only way they could grow. Uh, I, I resisted change all my life. I mean, I've never, you know, when white side wall tires went out, I was sick about it. Uh, but, you know, uh, we have to get out of the way and let misguided youth take over. <laughs> I don't know who wrote that rule, but uh, <laughs> there it is. And what is maybe your fondest or um, a couple of your best memories on the TCU campus? It's all about laughter. Mm -hmm. It's all about, you know, there was a student paper, it was a weekly, the skiff. Mm -hmm. And even though I was working at the press, I had to do stuff for the skiff. And we used to do things like, you know, they'd, they'd try to act like that. Whoever was head of the journalism department then, I can't even remember his name, but uh, the office, the office in the basement of Good Hall. Well, Good Hall isn't even there anymore. It was the athletic dorm, and we were on the concrete floor of the basement. That was the skiff office. And uh, <laughs> it was like, you know, well, it's time to put out the skiff this week. You say, well, you're going to cover the Spanish department. So we'd write one program and say, well, the Spanish office, uh, what happened in the Spanish office this week is that most people spoke English. That was journalism in college for us. Those are things I remember. Thank you to KTCU and co-manager Jeff Craig for their assistance on the editing of this episode. If you or a friend or family member would like to share your story of your life since graduation, please contact us on social media or leave us a comment on our SoundCloud channel. We look forward to sharing the next story of how Horn Frogs are changing the world.